Let's get it. Wednesday, May 8th, 2019. Born the Battle. Brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. Hope everyone had a good week outside of podcast land. I am having an outstanding week. My allergies have gotten a lot better. My ear is no longer plugged up. I'm no longer, my head is no longer feeling like it's ready to explode. I'm eating meat and cheese in between takes. Life is good. Uh, this weekend, I was feeling so good. I went out to the carry the load events that happened here in the D.C. area. The uh, Eastern Relay was coming through the Lincoln Memorial through the Arlington National Cemetery. So I decided to take my phone, myself, and we did an Instagram live coverage of their walk through Arlington National Cemetery. We listened to a lot of really great stories. For those that walked with me and shared their stories, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Uh, those were some really, really powerful stories. And for those that that watched and listened to those stories on our Instagram live, thank you for listening to them. Um, it made me reflect on this upcoming Memorial Day, and I hope it did for you as well. So those relays are still going. And for those that don't know or didn't listen to last week's episode, from April 25th through May 22nd, the VA's National Cemetery Administration is partnering with the nonprofit Carry the Load to honor veterans leading up to Memorial Day. Carry the Load's mission is to provide active, meaningful ways to honor and celebrate the sacrifices made by our nation's heroes, military, veterans, first responders, and their families. They are currently conducting three national relays totaling 11,000 miles. 26 VA national cemeteries in 17 states will serve as relay points along the route. In conjunction with the arrival of the Carry the Load relay teams, each national cemetery along the route will unveil a commemorative plaque, a tribute to the fallen, honoring veterans and Gold Star families. So with that being said, Carry the Load is still on the march with their three relays going to Dallas for Memorial Day. Uh, this week, they will be stopping at the Raleigh National Cemetery tomorrow, May 9th at 7.30 a.m. After that, they will be at the Fort Jackson National Cemetery in Columbia, South Carolina on Saturday, May 11th at 7.30 a.m. Those are Eastern Standard Time. Now, the Midwest route will not be going to any national cemeteries this week, but you can find out where any one of the rally points are by going to carrytheload.org. And I'll put the uh, link in the show notes. Along the West Coast route, they will be at the Miramar National Cemetery today, Wednesday, May 8th at 7.30 a.m. They will be at the Fort Rosencrantz National Cemetery in San Diego later on today at 5.30 p.m. Tomorrow, Thursday, they will be at the Riverside National Cemetery in Riverside, California at 5 p.m. The West Coast route will also be at the Prescott National Cemetery in Prescott, Arizona, Saturday, May 11th at 4 p.m. And they will also be at the Fort Bliss National Cemetery. That will be their last national cemetery along their route by the time the next episode drops on Wednesday, May 15th at 1230. Again, all those are Pacific Standard Time. For further information on Carry the Load, you can either A, go to my blog from last week, or two, you can go to carrytheload.org. They have routes, they have maps, and I will put all the routes of March in my show notes. A little bit of feedback from last week. This one is from Kayuga. Kay Gauga. This one is from Kay Gauga. 
an amazing way to honor our nation's heroes. This podcast is an amazing resource. I'm so glad I found it. I love listening to others' stories, and this podcast does just that. This podcast honors our nation's heroes and gives them a chance to share their stories and experiences. Taking a break from everyday life to listen to another story makes me so happy. Thank you to those who serve, and thank you to those who help our nation's heroes. Well, we thank you, Kay Galga, for, uh, for that review. This next one was from Ernest E. Geyser, and it was on last episode's blog. It is a pleasure to read the stories of our heroes and fellow veterans. I took basic training in 1954 at Fort Ord, California, and advanced training as a combat engineer at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Was then assigned to the 4th Engineer Battalion at Hanau, Germany, transferred on March 15, 1955 to Headquarters Company 2nd Battalion, 26th Infantry Regiment at Bamberg, Germany. On November 1955, I was discharged from active duty and assigned to the 422nd MP Guard Company Army Reserve, where I served until my discharge in 1959. In 1965, I returned to my native Switzerland to live. Serving in the U.S. Army was, for me, a great experience, and I eagerly read the emails from the VA. Best regards, Ernest E. Geyser. Well, Ernest, thank you for reading and or listening to the show, and thank you for your service as well. And if you yourself would like to give some feedback, please feel free at after any any episode, go to blogs.va.gov, find the blog that, that relates to this episode, go ahead, leave a comment, email me at podcast at va.gov, or leave a rating and review on Apple or Stitcher or whatever podcatching app that you listen to this show. Speaking of ratings and reviews, as you know, because I've promoted it every week, that 100 ratings and reviews is the target for this podcast for a bonus episode featuring Adrian Kronauer of Good Morning Vietnam interviewing the legendary director-producer, comedian Mel Brooks. This interview has never been heard, ever. It was dropped in my lap about the first week I started this podcast, and I would like to give it to you as a bonus episode once we reach 100 ratings and reviews. We're currently at 65. I'm looking for 100. Help me help you. And I look forward to getting that out to you as soon as possible. So a trifecta of really good news releases within this past week. I'm going to get into one that was released right after the last episode dropped. This one says, for immediate release, VA and Microsoft partner to enhance care, rehabilitation, and recreation for veterans with limited mobility. Xbox adaptive controllers will be distributed across facilities within nation's largest integrated healthcare system. Today, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs and Microsoft announced a new collaboration to enhance opportunities for education, recreation, and therapy for veterans with mobility limitations by introducing the Xbox adaptive controller. A video game controller designed for people with limited mobility in select VA rehabilitation centers around the country. The partnership, which was formalized April 18th, will provide controllers and services to veterans as part of therapeutic and rehabilitative activities aimed at challenging muscle activation and hand-eye coordination and greater participation in social and recreational activities. Got a couple of quotes, and then it says, Together, VA and Microsoft identified an opportunity to introduce or reintroduce gaming to veterans with spinal cord injuries, amputations, and neurological or other injuries at 22 VA medical centers across the United States. Microsoft is donating its Xbox adaptive controller, game consoles, games, and other adaptive gaming equipment as part of the collaboration. Designated VA staff will engage with veterans using the equipment and share feedback with Microsoft on therapeutic utility and the veteran experience. 
couple more quotes uh, by people. And then it says, Microsoft and VA have a longstanding strategic partnership working together for more than 20 years to provide the best possible care and service to veterans. Gaming is a popular pastime, no kidding, of military personnel, and access to the Xbox Adaptive Controller and VA Rehabilitation Centers provides the opportunity for veterans to experience gaming's various benefits, including staying connected with friends and family across the world, building a spirit decor through competitive or cooperative gameplay, and providing stress relief. Microsoft's initial contributions will be allocated across 22 VA facilities. In addition to the controllers and other equipment will be available for veterans to use at events hosted by the VA's Office of National Veterans Sports and Program Special Events, such as the National Veteran Wheelchair Games. The following 16 centers have confirmed participation to date, with at least six additional centers to come. As of right now, the VA centers participating are the Augusta VA Medical Center, the Central Alabama VA Healthcare System, Central Texas Veterans HCS, Chillicothe VA Medical Center, Dayton VA Medical Center, the Memphis VA Medical Center, the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System, the Richmond VA Medical Center, the VA St. Louis Healthcare System, South Texas Veterans Healthcare System, which is the Audie L. Murphy VA Hospital, South Texas Veterans Healthcare System, the Kerrville Division, James A. Haley Veterans Hospital, Tampa, the VA Eastern Colorado Healthcare System, the VA New York Harbor Healthcare System, the VA Palo Alto Healthcare System, and the VA Puget Sound, of course, because Seattle is the home of Xbox Healthcare System. Visit www.va.gov forward slash health partnerships forward slash index dot ASP. And if I were you, I honestly, I'm a gamer myself. And if your VA Medical Center was not on the list, I would definitely, if it was me, I would definitely be uh, petitioning my VA Medical Center to take part because I think that's a that's a really great program. Uh, that story was actually covered. Uh, you can read about it on in The Verge, uh, on PC Gamer. Uh, as soon as that one came out, a lot of news outlets picked that one up. And you can Google VA and Microsoft, and you can read all about that on a number of different platforms. The next one is for immediate release. VA celebrates Science of Hope during National Research Week. In celebration of important medical research conducted by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, VA medical centers nationwide will showcase innovative solutions that VA scientists are developing and bringing into clinical practice with the help of university partners and other public and private institutions during VA Research Week, which is May 13th through 17th. VA medical centers will commemorate VA Research Week with special events such as tours of their research facilities, lectures, poster displays, and luncheons to honor the veterans who voluntarily participate in VA research studies. The Science of Hope, VA's 29 Research Week theme, underscores the promise that the department's research brings to veterans and their loved ones coping with post-traumatic stress disorder, traumatic brain injury, limb loss, chronic disease, and other serious health challenges. Uh, got a got a quote or two, and then it goes. Examples of current VA research include advances in prosthetics, such as artificial hands that restore the sense of natural touch, seeing footage that that's actually really cool, and in precision ecology, which uses molecular analysis of tumors and other individual patient factors to customize cancer treatment. Never seen anything on that? Be curious. Check it out. A focus of VA Research Week includes VA's Million Veteran Program. One of the world's largest genomic databases, as of mid-April, the program has enrolled nearly 750,000 veterans. Researchers using MVP data have published important findings on the genetics of hypertension, substance use disorders, and other important topics. 
To learn more about the work of VA researchers, past and present, visit www.research.va.gov. And for more information on local and national events marking VA Research Week in your area, visit www.research.va.gov forward slash Research Week. This month also marks Mental Health Month here at the VA. And in observance of Mental Health Month, VA is launching a new campaign called The Moment When, in recognition of the resilience of those who have served our country to honor their sacrifices and to learn and be inspired by their amazing stories. Mental Health Month is an opportunity to build awareness of mental health challenges and treatment options and to let people know that recovery is possible. This campaign is a part of the Make the Connection program where nearly 500 veterans have shared their stories of strength and recovery. Make the Connection also features a resource locator where veterans, their family, and their friends can find local support to whatever resources they need. To learn more, visit www.maketheconnection.net forward slash MH. M. So I'm not alone today. I'm joined for this episode's pregame with Zach Wheeler, one of our interns at the VA Digital Media Engagement Team. Uh, he's an inspiring professional podcaster. Say hello, Zach. Hi, everyone. I'm Zach. Nice to meet you. So Johns Hopkins University, right? Yes, indeed. Awesome. You know, every time I hear the words Johns Hopkins, I think of a very famous line from from uh, Step Brothers that Will, Will Ferrell says. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's been passed around a lot. Of, I'm sure that's talked around a lot at the uh, at the school. Just about every day. <laughs> you still studying uh, international studies? Yeah, I still do. Uh, well, I kind of focus on international relations, but my major is international studies. Yeah. What's the difference? Well, international studies is a little more broad. So it could be kind of the way we do it at Hopkins is it's history, economics, international relations, and a language. Um, and so I do all of those, but my, you know, my passion is really international relations and foreign policy. Okay. Um, have you started some of the classes for your major or are you still in general studies? I, I've been, um, the way Hopkins works is they don't really have kind of general course requirements. So I've actually... I'm almost done with my major, surprisingly. So I'm not sure what my next how year is going to be. But how long? Uh, are, so what do you? How long have you been going to school? I thought yeah. you were a freshman. Yeah. So no, I'm a sophomore actually, okay. um, my second year. But I only have one more year because I was recently accepted to a five-year master's program through um, the Hopkins Graduate School in DC. So my senior year and a year after that, I'll be taking master's classes instead of undergraduate classes. Dang, Zach, put in the work. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so, well, congratulations. So, Zach, it's uh, the first part of May. It's It's got to be final season out there. Yes, it indeed is, unfortunately for me. I think I have I have two big finals coming up, one on um, Wednesday and the following Monday. But um, kind of more pressing was these final papers that I had to write. Um, and so last night, very early in the morning, my friends and I finished our final group paper for a class, and we talked about... U.S. foreign policy strategy towards 5G wireless technology, which was really a fun paper. But that was not. fun. It that was. was fun. I mean, I kind of like. I kind of like the tech emerging technology sure. plus I'm foreign just, policy. <laughs> I'm just playing with you. I'm just yes. playing with you. So, Zach, you've been an intern for the entire year, and you've done two episodes, and you and you've listened to a lot of Born the Battle, and you know. What have you learned as an intern with, uh, with the Department of Veterans Affairs and, and with this podcast? Well, I guess do you mean in, in kind of like in a big, in a, in a larger sense, one thing I learned is just 
how many different stories of veterans there are out there. Because to be honest, when I entered the internship, I really didn't know anything about the VA, um, or at least not as much as I should have. Um, I didn't really understand like sacrifices and, um, you know, efforts veterans go through to, um, you know, following their service. And so I think this year, just learning to so many different stories about veterans has really inspired me, which is really cool. Um, but in terms of just also general skills, I've learned a lot about, um, you know, how to communicate with others and get good interview questions and really tell a story, which has been fun. And my family really does not have a military history. So it honestly has never even like before joining Born in the Battle, it never really crossed my mind. And I think um, just because of my you know current study situations, I'm not sure if I'd jump right ahead into the military, but I think um, I've really learned a lot and I, I really value and appreciate those who do serve. So last time we heard you was back way back in episode 130. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners why you're on today? Yeah, so today I, um, I well, actually a couple of weeks ago, I talked to Mr. Joseph B. Pennington of Allstate. Um, and we talked, we had a really interesting conversation about how Allstate is a military-friendly employer um, and just the initiatives they had in terms of recruiting um, veterans and recruiting anyone that's served in the military and they do a really great job. So it was, it was really interesting talking to Mr. Pennington. How did you find your interview? Okay. Really random actually, but I had a friend at school who told me that he worked with someone at Allstate and that they were recently ranked highly as a veteran friendly employer. And so it was very random. And so I said, Oh, Hey, do you mind sending me a link to this person? So I sent them an email and then I got in contact with Allstate's media team and they put me in contact with Mr. Pennington, who is or is currently the head of Allstate's military recruitment program. So Zach, I'm impressed that when I challenged you to find somebody outside of your university circle, you took a shot and you landed with a quality with that what I think is a quality interview. Zach, go ahead and and give me give us your best intro. Okay. So this week's guest is Joseph B. Pennington the Director of Military and Veteran Programs at Allstate. Joseph Pennington joined Allstate after serving a total of 12 years as Navy CB. And as the Director of Military Programs, Mr. Pennington is responsible for leading Allstate's military and veteran programs, including recruitment, onboarding, networking, and business success metrics. All right, listeners, enjoy. Thank you very much, Mr. Pennington, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Appreciate you having us. So let's let's start off with our, our first question we always like to ask is, could you talk a little bit about your decision to join the military? What what really prompted that? Sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I, I probably had a, uh, um, maybe a different path than a lot of people. Um, it, it never seemed like an actual thing to do in my family. That wasn't something that was a, uh, you know, a generational thing. Um, yeah, my parents didn't do it. None of my uncles were in the military, but I, but I grew up in a multi-generational household with my grandparents and, uh, and my grandfather was a world war two vet. Oh, wow. He never pushed us to join, but yeah, but he, uh, but I would spend hours just listening to his stories of his time in the, uh, in the Pacific theater. And so, you know, some of them appropriate, some not so appropriate for a kid, but you know, it was, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was good stuff to hear. Uh, you know, as a kid, it was just so captivating. Every time I would listen to these stories, he would, he would draw me in. Uh, like I said, I'd be completely captivated by, by just the bravery, bravery of these men 
through so much uncertainty. Um, I mean, if you look back at the time of World War II, this was a new ball game. You know, when they when they were in World War One, it was it was supposed to be the war that ended all wars. Right. It was such a uh, disastrous thing that they said we could never do this again. And then World War Two comes around, and it's it's all these this new machinery, these uh, these weapons that have mass destruction, and uh, a lot of these men going overseas. Well, all of them, they didn't know what they were headed in for. Right. Um, right. So I just always found that such you know such a uh, such an intriguing subject, and I, I would always I would sit there. I wouldn't ask too many questions. I would just sit and listen to my grandfather talk about these stories, uh, and you know, just going through all that, it instilled such a pr- uh, a sense of pride in country for me uh and you know when, when i would go to school and all these kids would uh, we'd have to do a report on who your heroes were uh you know everybody in, in chicago would do michael jordan and walter payton and i'm doing a report on bernard butcher my grandfather That's you know because awesome. i just yeah that, that was my superhero you know he was a living superhero that that was able to go over go overseas and you know one of the greatest generation that that helped save the world that's that's how i saw it in my eyes and um that that was a huge part of of my decision you know just um listening to these stories and seeing my grandfather go outside and hang the flag on the front porch, you know, the pride that he had in that. And, um, you know, I, I was just, I took that experience into, uh, into high school. And still at this time, you know, as I'm going through high school, I'm not thinking about joining the military. Again, nobody in my family did it. It wasn't, it wasn't something that, that we did. We were a blue collar family. Um, and I, I was going to private school at that time on a, uh, uh on a wrestling scholarship. And, you know, nobody in that school is going to the military. They're all talking about university. Um, and then comes a the point my junior year, I get injured and I, I'm leaving, uh, I'm leaving private school because I can't wrestle anymore. So that, so that's out the window. So I end up going, uh, you know, we can't afford it. So I go to public school my senior year mm-hmm. and I'm sitting in class one day and the teacher is saying, you know, what, you know, what are you doing now that you, uh, uh, asking all the kids, you know, what are you doing after your, uh, your senior year? <clears throat> and one of the kids says military. Now, this is a new thought to me because not, not that I ever thought negative to it. I just right, I thought that's right. what you did in World War Two. You know, that's what you did with the draft. Uh, it, it, people don't do that. So it's it sounds like such an interesting idea. And um, I take it back to my family. I tell my mom and my brothers, I think I'm thinking about joining the the Army or the Navy, Air Force. They're like, you're crazy. You know, that's just brushed me off. All right, go back to doing what you're doing. Not happening. But then I, I talked to my grandparents, and uh, and my uncle was over, and they're like, that, "That sounds like a great idea." And then that sparked something in me. Like, this is real. I can do this. You know, I could I could join the military. So I went and I spoke to the recruiters. I had a uh, uh, my grandmother, her her uh, her brother was uh, was a master master chief in the navy. I never met him at the time. He was off in Florida, but. Uh, she's like, you should join the Navy. They have better food than the Army. That was her, her <laughs> reasoning for that. But, I, you know, the re- real reason was she thought it was safer. So uh, right. so we had the, the Navy recruiter come over to the house. As as he starts talking to – so I had my grandfather sitting with me talking to the recruiter. And uh, as he gets gets through with the, you know, uh, my grandfather gives me, the, you know, the blessing to, to go ahead and join the service. And um, the funny thing is years later – uh, found out that that recruiter would go back and check on my grandfather out every now and then they became friends after that. But that's awesome. Um, yeah, it was really cool. But even at that point, I still wasn't, I, I, I didn't join the service because my, both of my grandparents became ill. So after I got the, okay, I'm like, this is where I'm going. I'm heading out the door now. I got, I got my path. I'm ready. Um, come that summer when I was supposed to leave, both of my grandparents fall ill. So I, I'm mm. sick. You know, I got to stick around now. So, um, 
I don't know the college. I don't know how to figure out the college, the route. I know I couldn't pay for it. So I'm going to work in a steel mill now. You know, that's my, that's my path. I'm, I'm working in it for, for about a year. And that's, I figured that's what I'm doing. Um, and then, uh, both of my grandparents pass away and I'm like, well now, uh, now I, I'm joining the service. That was my, you know, they, they wanted me to join the service. And now that they, they both passed away within six months of each other. And I was like, well, this is, this is my opportunity now where I'm going to go, you know, make my grandfather proud and, and join the service. So, wow. um, when I, when I ended up joining and I left a, uh, a couple months, um, uh, after they passed. And that was the first time I was ever out of the Midwest. I mean, I was, that was a, I was a city guy in Chicago and we never left the, the Midwest. If we went on vacation, that was to Indiana or Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And my first plane trip was to, uh, uh, was right after boot camp in, uh, in great lakes. It took a, a plane ride down to Gulfport, Mississippi, where I, uh, I did my A school. So that, I mean, a, uh, a pretty, um, pretty roundabout way to get into the military but like i say <laughs> it, 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 everything happens for a reason you yeah. know and i uh, i think that was where, where god put me at the time uh, so yeah it was a uh, um, looking back on it I, I, it seemed like everything fell into place the way it was supposed to yeah i think i mean first of all that's really inspirational and i you know thank you for your service but also i, I want to say that um like in my family, I never really grew up in that, in like a military household or really yeah. anyone in my family who had a military background. And even up till college, I just didn't really understand, um, like that sacrifice in serving country. Um, and so I think when I took this internship at the VA, it has like listening to Born the Battle. I think that's one of the biggest points of Born the Battle is really showing that, you know, telling the stories of veterans and people in the military and showing that they're really you know, serving the country and making sacrifices that are important. And I think it's made a big impact on me, especially. So yeah, it's really absolutely. cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's a great point. I mean, there, there's so, when I was in the service, there's so many different backgrounds of, of, uh, of people and they all, they all came to, they all, they came for different reasons. You know, it's, it's, everyone had a uh, different path to get there. I had a buddy whose father was a millionaire oil uh, tycoon, you know, and he, he did it because his, his uncles did it. So he right. figured this is his way to, you know, serve. there's so many different um, ways to get there. And, and just being able to, um, you know, when you, when you get into boot camp, it becomes such a, a culture shock at first where you know, like, I, there's all these different people. Like I never, like I said, I grew up in Chicago, so I, I never really, uh, uh, hung out with guys from New York and I definitely didn't hang out with guys from the deep South. <laughs> you know, these, these, it, it was cool to see everybody kind of come together and form, form a, uh, a brotherhood around that. And, you know, all the way through when we went on our, um, our deployments, most of the time I spent at the CV was in, uh, was South and Central America. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I was on a lot of detachments and they have, they have a small group of guys, uh, we, we usually have about 12 to 20 guys going in detachment, be able to come from all around the country and then, you know, get shipped across the, across the world right. and, and be able to keep that bond and work together to, to accomplish a goal. was just, it was amazing to me. Right. Yeah. Really amazing. So Mr. Pennington, could you tell me about a close friend or a great leader you had in the military? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, the person that comes to mind would be, uh, would be Bobby Fly. He was a, a buddy of mine who was uh, at the time a few, uh, a couple ranks, a couple ranks above me, 
and when uh, when I got down to Mississippi, went on my first deployment in Puerto Rico, and uh, got back to home port, and really didn't know too much about about the military. Again, I was jumping into this pretty, you know, cold feet. I didn't I didn't know I didn't know any uh, I didn't have any modern day family members to tell me about what to expect in the military. I had my grandfather, but that was World War II. Right, <laughs> right. Experiences changed. Yeah, definitely so, a little different. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, just a little. <laughs> I uh, When I got back to Homeport, I, I ran into this guy, Bobby Fly, who was, uh, uh, turned out to be one of my uh, best friends later on. But he was able to, to kind of navig- help me navigate the military and understand um, uh, really just military life, how to, you know, where you have to, uh, how to, how to go through the ranks, how to achieve better. Cause a lot of times when you're in the military and I'm, I'm sure you can, uh, attest to this, you have way so many different segments. You have guys that got in there on their first, first enlistment. And then they say, why am I here? Why did I sign up? How do I get out of here? I mean, there's, there's so many <laughs> stories of people that do such drastic things to try to get out of their first enlistment, right. and, and, you know, insanity. But then you have, you have people that say, you know, that this is, I, I like the military. I'm going to get it out, get out after four years. Uh, and then you have people that want to climb the, the ranks. I always wanted to do, to go a little bit higher in the, in the military. So when I ran into this, uh, uh, this guy, Bobby Fly. He, he, he was at West Point, or I'm sorry, uh, Annapolis for a while. Mm. And then he ended up going to become a CB as well. He left Annapolis to become enlisted uh, with the ultimate goal to be a warrant officer and, and uh, be a helicopter pilot. So now I'm talking to this guy, and he's, he's telling me about all these great plans he has. You know, super smart guy. And he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, switch over to the Army, and then I'm going to become a warrant officer, and then I'm going to become a pilot. He spoke to recurs about it. He found all of this path out on his own. Right. And just seeing him operate on that, um, uh, it was really neat to me. And he was able to help me guide my career and get it onto a path that would make me successful as well. So I'm not just taking four years to be in the military, and then I get out. And, and I say, well, I did four years, but what did I really, what did I really accomplish? And I, I think, I think a lot of that's, uh, uh, can, can get into that funk and it's great that you did four years, but while you're doing that, make sure you're setting yourself up. So if you get out of the military, right, you have something to, to go on after that. Um, and he helped me identify that and really find my way. Um, and then, uh, you know, while, uh, uh, while we were buddies in the military, he, uh, he asked me, like, well, what do you want to do? He's kind of my counselor, you know, career counselor. You know, I want to get out and get into the corporate field. Well, you should get into recruiting, and that'll, that'll give you a launching point. So I did. So I, I ended up uh, uh, putting in a, um, a request to, uh, to go into recruiting duty. Um, I never heard – and the funny thing about that is I never heard anything back. I put in my request, <laughs> request for recruiting, never heard anything back. So now we're – you know, we go to Iraq. <laughs> so, well, Kuwait and then Iraq, and uh, six, seven months into the tour, I get a call from the uh, to say, you know, you got to head back to base camp. No idea what this is about. I'm worried that something's wrong with my family. So I get back, and they said, you got to pack all your stuff in two days. You're going back stateside for recruiting duty. So, <laughs> <laughs> surprise. <laughs> yeah, again, where Bobby Bobby Fly helped me out. You know, got me back stateside uh, with his suggestions. So. Uh, yeah, I think I think that was somebody who was really impactful uh, in my uh, my time in the military, and also a direct impact on my post military life. And um, looking back, I really see that. Right, that's that's fantastic. I think not to not to plug our podcast so much, but I think part of the reason I think Born the Battle is so fascinating is we do 
like a really, we have this concerted effort to really try to talk to as many veterans as possible and as many fields as possible to really highlight the things and skill sets that you gain from the military that can really launch you in a career later. Um, and so that's, that's always one of our questions. So on um, in that regard, Mr. Pennington, Pennington, could you maybe describe a skill set that you gained in the military that contributed to your success? Yeah, I, I really think it's, uh, uh, well, the, the most direct, I would say, is, uh, is organizational leadership. So <clears throat> when I try to attribute that, when I'm speaking with hiring managers about what, uh, what veterans have to offer, have to offer. Um, I really like to tell them, you know, don't, don't look at it as these were leaders in the military. Look at it as these were leaders in one of the most difficult environments, one of the most difficult corporate structures in the world. Right. You know, and, uh, and that's, that's a, uh, I think that's the main skill that I learned in there is how to, how to lead and, um, and to, uh, to navigate a difficult environment because the military doesn't have a lot of flexibility. If you're trying to follow a process and they say, no, the answer is no, <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no getting around it. This is, this is a government. Right. So, uh, really trying to ha- having those, uh, uh, leadership skills in an org- organization to, all right, well, this is a no path, but, uh, let's see how we can, we can change what we're doing to, uh, to, to have it approved and, and, um, get accepted on the right path. That's, that's one of the, uh, the main skills I, I learned as a, uh, in the military and the other that's kind of, I don't know if it's a skill or a, uh, uh really just something that I learned while I was in this yeah. is don't always say no. You know, I, I, I try not to say no as much as possible. If something comes up and, and, and a leader would ask me in the military, can you do this? I said, I didn't see that as can I? I saw it as an opportunity. If I say no, that door shuts. There's no opportunity. If I say yes, and I don't know at the time, I can figure it out. And if I get that accomplished, now now I, I set myself up on a better path. So hmm. so resisting saying no to opportunities and accepting them, even if you don't have all the answers at that point, accept them and figure them out. Um, <clears throat> and I, I try to pass that on to a lot of the uh, the veterans that we we run into at recruiting events where, where they might come up to the table and. Um, ask about positions and it's like, you know, this one may not match up exactly what you're looking for, but, but do me a favor, check it out, you know, be, be able to, um, uh, be able to, 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 to accept a position, maybe take a step back in what the exact role you were looking for, but that can pro- propel you two steps forward. So, right. um, you know, don't say no to opportunities, look them head on and, and, uh, and go for it. That's really good advice. Thank you. Um, Mr. Pennington, can you tell me a little bit about what prompted your transition out of the military? How did you how did you end up at Allstate? <laughs> sure, sure. Well, I saw I saw the military as a career. I didn't I didn't want to uh, I never wanted to, to get out after I got past the rough the, you know the 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 initial uh, uh, four year tour. I was right. on actually a five year tour. I figured I'm past that. I'm, I'm in a leadership role now. Why get out? Um, but I had a uh, some injuries on my, my right leg and went through a few dozen surgeries. And mm. the, uh, while I was in recruiting duty, I even asked, I'm like, well, can I just, can I do this? You know, I, I, if I can't, if I can't meet standards on my leg, can I at least do recruiting duty to finish out? I have eight years left. Mm. Uh, and the Navy's like, no, no, if you can't do everything, you can't do anything for oh, us. No. So, yeah. So they, uh, they retired, uh, retired me out early uh, for a medical retirement and, <clears throat> When I got out, I um, was like, well, I got to put these recruiting 
uh, recruiting management skills because I, I led an office. Yeah, yeah, I did it for six years. I, I led an office for six years, and we were uh, um, office of the year for for um, two of those years. And you know, we were, it was successful. So I'm like, I can do this. I understand it. I don't. I don't want to. Uh, that, that's what I want to do. So when I got out. <clears throat> this was in a down economy right now we're, you know, we're, we're up, but this was in a, an economy where nobody was hiring. So I was looking for opportunities and I ran across one with the, uh, the state of Illinois where they wanted me to <clears throat> help fix some of these offices that they had uh, around the area and, and that were uh, veteran employment offices, but they weren't producing. They, they asked for help. But the problem was it didn't pay anything. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it, it barely anything right, it, was, it, was, right. it was barely enough to, to cover my uh my mortgage at the time <laughs> so you know but then i also had an opportunity that paid a little bit more but it was just uh it wasn't it wasn't what i wanted to to do so i had an option i could i could get the, the quick money and live in this career with a with a dead end or a job with a dead end or i could take a career path i could take a few steps back and and develop those corporate skills that I would need to go into the, uh, in, into the direction I wanted or, uh, so, so that's, that's a path I chose because <clears throat> at the time there weren't a whole lot of military programs out there that would just accept your military skills. Everyone wanted some kind of corporate experience. Right. I go in an interview and that's basically what they would tell you. Well, you know, what kind of corporate experience do you have? Mm-hmm. So I, I took the step back, went into a job, uh, with less pay. I developed those skills in a quick amount of time and, I had something on my resume that an employer could look at and say, yes, he, he has corporate skills to go along with those years of leadership in the military. And soon enough, a, uh, an insurance company um, gave me a call. That's not all state. And they said, can you, can, can you help us build up our military program? So, you know, right. it was a great opportunity. I jumped into that. We, we, uh, it was very successful. We were the number one employer in, uh, in the country for two straight years. Wow. And then, I, I went to a, uh, a panel to speak about it, to speak about the success that we had. Mm-hmm. And one of the, uh, one of the uh, uh, employers that, that was there listening to the panel had a question. So I answered his question. <clears throat> and then afterwards I went up to him and I said, you know, did I answer what, is that the answer you're looking for? Is, did I answer uh, what you needed? He's like, yeah, we need somebody like you at Allstate. I said, well, let's talk. <laughs> so we got to talk <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I ended up at Allstate. Like I said, I, you keep get if you, if you look back, sometimes you just notice that you keep getting put in these positions where uh, where it sets you on a path, and and that was one of them. So that, that's where I ended up at Allstate. And, and you know, the great thing about when I went to meet with Allstate, I wasn't I wasn't sold as this is where I want to go. You know, I had a great position where I was at. Um, it's always scary leaving one to go to the next. So I, I sat down and talked to him and they had all the right answers. They didn't want to just hire veterans into the company. They wanted to set up a military program. And that's mm-hmm. what I was looking for. I, I didn't want to get into a job where I wanted that, where there was a company that wanted to set up a revolving door, you know, right. veterans come in, they don't work out, they go back out. Yeah. Right. Then it, you see that so much where it's just recruiting, you know, it's just recruiting. And then, um, you know, when I spoke to all they said, we want to, we want to find out how to bring veterans in the right way. Uh, you know, we'll give you, we'll give you some, uh, all the support you need. We, we don't want to just do recruiting. We want to do retention. We want to do mentorship. We want the whole thing. So, um, it sounded like a, a great opportunity and, um, I took them up on it and 
about three years later, we're making some, some unbelievable progress. That's great. That's really great to hear. And it is a really interesting path. I mean, like you said, you take one step back, you build yourself up and you find your, find yourself in a place you want to be. So absolutely. So could you speak to your role about your role at Allstate now? What are your, what are some of your duties? What's your position? Sure. Um, I'm the director of the military and veteran program. And, and like I was saying, that, that that entitles more than just, you know, just the recruiting aspect, but that is a large piece. Um, I have a team of uh, military talent recruiters uh, that, that are based in Northbrook, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And, and what they do is they, uh, they're out there looking for um, veterans, you know, guardsmen, military spouses uh, also, which is a huge uh, kind of, I guess, neglected part of the military community that a lot of people forget about, but, yeah. uh, they're out there trying to find these men and women and place them into, <clears throat> uh, positions, whether it be at corporate, any of our corporate offices all over the country, or, uh, whether it be in some of our agencies, all state agencies, which we have over 10,000 throughout the country. So they're, they're always looking to hire. Um, so that, that, that's one part of, uh, my job is, is managing the recruiting team. And then also we're, we're looking on the retention side as well. So, like I was saying, if if, if you don't have to, uh, if you can keep the people, you don't have to recruit as many people. So uh, we want to make we want to set this up so when veterans come into Allstate, they see it as a military friendly company, mm-hmm. and they want to stay there. When you walk around the halls at Allstate, you'll ret- ret- routinely walk into people that have been here 20, 30 years, you know, and, and that's that's just because of the environment. That's the that's the, you know, the all state environment. So we want to uh, we want to bring veterans in and allow them to do that as well. You know, the same stick around and, and not have to bounce from company to company or have uncertainty. Right. So we're we're setting up a a mentorship program that we're actually uh, in the process of rolling out in May on May sixth actually, and uh, with this program it's going to be uh, it's going to be veterans from uh, from within all state that are, are mentoring either existing Allstaters or uh, uh, veterans or people coming r- directly into the company from the service. And this could be informally or it could be formally. We have a formal process set up where it's six, six to 12 months and they meet regularly, they document it, uh, they get training. So that's one aspect. Or the other is, is informal, which I think is, is uh, it suits some people even better where I know when I was getting out of the service, just a story on this, there were certain things that you just didn't know if, if they were right. You know, uh, I remember when I got out of the car to go into my first job and I, it was the first job I, I had straight out of the military. I was going into this, this corporate building and I got out, I start to walk and I turn back to my car to reach in to grab a cover. I'm, and I'm thinking, what am I looking for? <laughs> you know, it just put its instinct when you're in the military that you go to grab your cover, right? You're outside, you're oh, going man. to work, you got a cover. Right. So, uh, and then, you know, I, and then I'm thinking, what am I doing? And, and you know, <laughs> another one, I had a guy when I was in, uh, when I was working at my, uh, my first job out of the military and I was, I was mentoring this young, uh, this young, uh, veteran. And he was like, I got a quick question for you. You know, can you, can you walk? I was walking into the building and I had my cell phone. He goes, is that okay if I walk and talk on my cell phone? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yeah, it's completely fine. Do whatever you want. But those are, those are just some, you know, to you and I, we understand that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, in veterans it's, you know, but if you're, if you're a, uh, if you're vet walking around a building with a, with a lot of, uh, you know, non-veterans, you may not know, you know, it, it could be something simple where if you had an informal mentor, you could ask him or her, 
questions that normal people might think oh, that's goofy but you would feel more comfortable asking a uh asking a mentor even if it's so much as should i call my boss mr robinson or just jerry you know i i had that problem when i came out of the military it's like i kept calling my boss mr so-and-so and he's like you could call me you know frank at any time <laughs> <laughs> it's uh so i, I want to make sure we have those mentors set up in in the company so when they uh um uh, when you have questions, you feel at ease and, and maybe, you know, and they don't even have to be in the department. Sometimes that works better. So you you feel more comfortable with, um, so that, that's another aspect setting up the, that, that mentorship program. Um, and then, uh, on top of that, <clears throat> we're looking to, to be able to take the leaders that are in the military that are coming straight out. And I'm talking, you know, some of your mid to senior enlisted to your junior officers that want to come out of the, ser- come out of the service and into some type of leadership role in a, uh, in a large organization. Mm-hmm. So what we're, um, what we're trying to put together here, I hope to have it rolled out by, uh, by the end of the year is a leadership program where when veterans come out, we can set them up to, to, uh, to do, six month rotations in different areas of the company to see what works. Because while you have that great experience in the military, you may not understand where you fit in a large organization with all states. So let's give you the opportunity, you know, go out there and try different areas, see which one works best. And, um, and then we'll, uh, we'll set you up in in the department that, that makes the best fit. So the, the leadership program is another aspect. And then, um, you know, a final piece of my job is, uh, is products too. So we want to make sure, we're an all-state or a military-friendly company. Again, not just a, a, a recruiter. So, um, part of what Allstate allowed me to do is work with the the policy team to ensure when we have active-duty military <clears throat> that if they go on deployment, we have products that allow them to to put their policies on hold without incurring any kind of uh, penalties or you know increased cost and coverage. So that that's been a uh, you know a big win for us being able to help. Uh, military veterans are, or active duty military on that side. So, so my, my job here really encompasses all that along with uh, working with the, the all state foundation on, um, on um, supporting military charities that, uh, that are directly affecting our communities. So uh, we've done a lot of work with that um, through, through my time at all state. And, you know, that's just a, a, a phenomenal organization the uh, the Allstate Foundation. Yeah, I saw that on the website about um I think I think it said something along the lines of like Allstate veterans doing community service hours or I saw some numbers about 7,237 volunteer hours were logged in 2016. Is that is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, and that that was um that that was for for veteran charity specifically. So right. I mean, that's we have uh the, the foundations helping you know set up these uh, these uh, volunteer opportunities for for not only our veterans but our veteran supporters in the company. Um, so we do it through charitable work. So we're we're, we're always trying to uh, to to help better the the, uh, the communities that we we work in. That's really great. That's really a great philosophy. So seeing that Allstate as you say, as a military-friendly company, not just a recruiter. Has Allstate received any form of recognition for the work it's doing with veterans in the past couple of yeah. years? Yeah, we've, uh, we've had multiple uh, multiple recognition. I'd say, I'd say the, the largest um, uh, that we received since since we started up this program. Again, this the we've always been a military-friendly company, um, dating back to our founder, 
General Wood, who was a Marine vet who actually started up Allstate, and hmm. we've had multiple leadership. Uh, the uh, one of the leaders that helped bring me in was a um, uh, Army veteran who was the president of the company. Wow. So it's a strong, it's really strong military bra- background at Allstate. Um, and so, but we started up this formal initiative just in uh, the end of 2016. And since that time, we've already been uh, ranked by GI Jobs Magazine as the number two military-friendly company uh, in the country. Wow. And it, it, it's been incredible, uh, um, uh, you know, progress since we since we kicked off this initiative. And then also with the uh, ESRG, we have our uh, signed. Um, support for the ESRG employer support of the garden reserve. And then also we were just recognized as a, uh, uh, Patriot employer for, uh, the ESRG as well. Oh, cool. That's all great. Um, uh, it's good to hear that all states gain recognition. It sounds like it deserves. Um, and so Mr. Pennington, do you have any interesting statistics about, uh, all state employees that are veterans? Do you know how many they employ or just anything that you could think of off the top of your head? Yeah, yeah. I, I wish I could give you the the total all state employee veterans, but um, that's okay. That's okay. Company, yeah, <laughs> companies didn't really start tracking the the total. Uh, a lot of companies uh, until recently, and the problem is with the size of all state, where we have you know forty thousand something employees. Right, right. It's hard to get back to all of them. Have a lot of survey after they've been working <laughs> here. So, but we did start tracking them. Um, uh, when I came on board about two years ago, and mm-hmm. and really getting in depth with it. So I think everybody has to track the. Uh, you know, the, the required, um, you know, are you a spe- special disabled vet? Uh, are you a Vietnam era vet? But that only captures that small amount. So we, we really changed how we were capturing vets. And that's one of the large questions I get from other employers is like, how do we, we're missing them. How do we get the, how do we find how many vets we have in the company? Mm. Um, and we tried to break it down as, uh, as uh, detailed as possible so that we're capturing just about every vet that walks through the door and um, uh, and really breaking it down to did you sir uh, have you served and if I could give a tip to other employers out out there that may have this question because it's it's a burning one in the military hiring community right you got to break this you can't leave it as veteran you got to leave it as you know you got to have it in there have you ever served in the military and the reason I say that is I would have so many vets when I, I would routinely do a recognition to all the uh, veteran hires that we and we still do this with our new agency owners where we would present them in front of their, uh, their, their new peers, mm-hmm. uh, a recognition for being in the military. And I'd always have some people raise their hand out of the, you know, new class of, uh, employees. They would say, I'm a vet. So, well, I got your form here or I'm a, I, I served in the military. I said, well, I got your form here that you never served. And he goes, no, you said, are you a veteran? I never served overseas. So, you know, <laughs> there's still, there's yeah. still some, uh, vets out there that may not think they're vet thinking veteran of foreign wars. So we broke it down to, have you ever served in the military at right. any point? Yeah. And, uh, last year we brought in, um, about 400 and, uh, 430 veterans into our agencies. And then we brought in another 400 and, um, 400 and so veterans into our corporate, uh, corporate positions. So, uh, Big headway on there, and then this this in 20, um, 2019, we want to do a thousand veterans uh, across the company. Hire a thousand veterans across the company in wow. twenty nineteen as well. That's great. That's really fantastic, and honestly, cool. Like, <laughs> it's interesting as well that you you do track that. Um, 
So, yeah. And, yeah. Well, we want to track it for a couple of reasons. One to, you know, to show what, what we're doing, but we also, we also want to keep these names. So when we have veterans come into the company, we could recognize them, right, you know, and, right. and there's not a lot vets aren't always looking for recognition, but it, it's nice to sometimes be able to reach out yeah. on veterans day or, you know, a military holiday and say, Hey, by the way, thanks for your service. Um, and then also, you know, we have some of these veteran employees that are working out well and doing a fantastic job. We, we like to recognize them and maybe some of our advertising. So we're always always trying to keep in contact with those veteran, veteran employees. Right. Um, and I guess to kind of round out this interview, Mr. Pennington, I want to really thank you for being here. But I guess our final question that we like to ask is, what is a veteran group initiative or program that's either at Allstate or somewhere else that you're really excited about um, that's up and coming? Yeah, uh, we have a, a uh, unbelievable organization. Uh, called AVETS, and that's uh, All State Veterans Engagement Team and Supporters. Mm-hmm. So this was this has been around for a uh, uh, years before I got it, before I came to All State. Yeah. Um, I know Phyllis Higgins was one of the people that really helped stand this up, uh, and then the new president of AVETS right now is uh, Jenna Ray Hines, and they're doing an unbelievable job with this program. And what the, what what All State uh, with AVETS uh, is, um, it's it's volunteer all state employees that are veterans or they just you know just uh employees that really support the veteran community and they come together to help out at these uh these charity charity um functions where you know last year they all got together and went to the fisher house and put you know planted flowers all around and then you know cleaned up the the uh cleaned up the place and and worked with some of the families that were staying at the fisher house just you know stuff like that helped they helped build houses in, in north carolina um, so that's what they do on the charity side. And then also they get together as a, um, um, as an engagement team routinely. So on military holidays, especially, and just show support for one another and, and share ideas, you know, what can we be doing as a, uh, as a company to, um, uh, to help veterans out. And I, I stay in close contact with the, uh, the AVETS president to to find out you know am i missing anything you know did do veterans need more mentorship do they need more uh what can we do to help the veterans that are at our company because you know it's one thing to bring them in and I, I'll, I'll say it again it's one thing to bring them in but what are you doing for them to keep them. now that they're at all state yeah to keep them to make them happy to help them grow in their careers right um and that's all avets plays a huge part in that um and it just it just reminds veterans that are here that hey we didn't just put that uh, that advertisement out there to make recruiting easy and to bring you in. We really want to help. We value uh, your military experience at this company, and uh, we're here to 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 grow with you and, uh, and help you along the way. No extra commercial at the end of this one. You guys had a pretty extended pregame. I want to thank Joseph Pennington for taking the time to get an interview from Zach. Zach and the rest of the interns, this episode was for you. Thank you for all your hard work and dedication over the year. Our interns here at Born the Battle are unsung heroes. Uh, Most of them spend time transcribing the episodes word for word. That way, those with hearing loss can go to our blogs at blogs.va.gov. They can go to each episode, and they can download a full transcript of each episode. So um, I want to recognize them, our interns, uh, for all the hard but necessary work that they do.
This week's Born the Battle Veteran of the Week is Marine veteran Megan McClung. Megan served during Operation Iraqi Freedom. After graduating from the United States Naval Academy in May 1995, Megan was commissioned as a second lieutenant with the United States Marine Corps. She then received basic officer training and went on to complete the Public Affairs Officer Qualification Course at Fort Meade, Maryland. In 1996, she began serving at Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton as a Public Affairs and Media Officer. In 1999, Megan transferred to Paris Island, and following her time at Paris Island, Megan transferred to the 2nd Marine Air Wing at Cherry Point, North Carolina, where she again served as a public affairs officer. In 2003, Megan transferred to the Marine Reserves and began working as the East Coast Regional Representative for the Marine for Life Program at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. In 2004, Megan took a civilian position with the military engineering and procurement contractor Kellogg, Brown, and Root and began working in Baghdad. After completing her one-year contract with Kellogg, Brown, and Root, Megan returned to active duty with the Marines, serving as the Deputy Public Affairs Officer for the U.S. Fleet Marine Corps Force Atlantic. In February 2006, Megan deployed with 1MEF for a year tour in Al-Anbar Province, Iraq. There, she served as the Public Affairs Plans Officer at Camp Fallujah. During the final month of her deployment, Megan volunteered for duty with the 1st Brigade Combat Team, 1st Armored Division of the United States Army. On December 6, 2006, while transporting media crews around the city of Ramadi, Megan's Humvee was struck by an IED, killing her and two other service members. During her career, Megan received the Bronze Star, the Purple Heart, the Navy and Marine Corps Commendation Medal, and the National Defense Service Medal. Megan was laid to rest at Arlington National Cemetery. She was the first female Marine officer to be killed during Operation Iraqi Freedom and the first female graduate of the United States Naval Academy to be killed in combat. She is remembered by her friends, family, and fellow Marines as a dedicated service member and a skilled public relations officer. We honor her service. That's it for this week's Born the Battle program. We hope you enjoyed it. In addition to the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week, we have the Veteran of the Day on all of our social media platforms, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, DEPT Vet Affairs. No matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. Again, thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.